Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here with us today. You know, as we're thinking about that, I wonder, have you ever lost sleep because you're wondering if there's just more out there? Have you ever lost sleep thinking about things about yourself, about your situation, about your family, about your career that you wish you could change? A lot of times that's where our resolutions come from. When we're hoping for something more, we're hoping for something different, we're hoping for something better. And this morning I want us to share a little bit of time figuring out how we make those stick. So that it doesn't just become January 8th and I already forgot what I said on January 1st. So that it's not June and I forgot that I even said anything in January. But that we have an opportunity to take this time to slow down for a moment and to find what makes it stick. How to make resolutions that last. And that's what Dr. Greg Beeman was looking for in that interview. You hear him say that he, he wanted to change, but he didn't have the power to do it. Well, where does that come from? How do we make it stick? How do we make it last? You know, if we're going to ask that, I think another thing we have to ask is what kind of resolutions are worth sticking to? Now, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. We are not in the playoffs this weekend, and we haven't been for a very long time. And it's easy for me to say, well, this year I resolved that the Bills shouldn't be a better football team. But there's nothing I can really do about that. (laughs) And even if I could... That wouldn't really change my life in a significant way other than I'd get a couple more Saturdays of of my team. But what is worth making it stick? What's worth the energy? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, there's a couple short sentences here in the Bible that I think give us a list of resolutions that are worth it. And, you know, this is one of those things I think is so fascinating because wherever you stand on your understanding of God, whatever you think about this book that I'm holding, you know, this is one of those places where you realize, you know, we just step into something that actually everybody agrees about. And so we're going to get a little bit of the Bible's wisdom on this this morning. This is what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Man, any of those sound good to you? Like, man, I, I want those things. I, I want all of those things. See, this is a list. I, I mean, if I could make a list of resolutions that, that this year I would be more loving, that this year... I would feel more joy. That that this year, I would have more peace. That this year, I might experience a a little more kindness, a little more gentleness. You know, one of those words, long-suffering, sometimes you hear the word patience here. The idea not just that I'm patiently kind of waiting around to see what happens, but that I'm long-suffering even when other people are doing things that are unfair to me things that might hurt me, I patiently suffer for a a long time even that I might come alongside them, let them see a little more joy, a little more love, a little more kindness, a little more gentleness. And And I love how this ends. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law against love, against gentleness, against kindness, 
Right. You're never going to have a, an officer pull you over and say, you know, you were driving a little bit fast. And also, I heard that you were far too gentle with your kids this week. We're going to have to take you in. There's no, there's no laws against this. What he's saying there basically is it's because we all agree about this stuff. We all want this stuff. You'll never go into your boss's office and have him tell you, you know, I think you brought a little much, a little too much joy to our office this year. I think you were a little too uh, faithful to do your work on time. We're going to have to talk about this. Now, these are good things. And I think it's pretty awesome when you, when you could make a list like this and say, I want that. And God says, guess what? So do I. And I want it for you. And we can make that stick. These resolutions can last. And not only that they're just good things, but the reality that these are the kinds of resolutions that can last no matter what is going on around you. That God is going to tell us that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not contingent on what other people around you are doing. They're not contingent on the circumstances of your life. But the stickiest resolutions last through the stickiest situations. The stickiest resolutions can last through the stickiest situations. So to help us understand that, I want to look at three steps this morning to help make it stick. Because if you want the stickiest resolutions, you need to, step one, pinpoint the problem. Now we know this is true in our lives, and sometimes we, we float right past it without realizing it, but you can think about this, you know, if you think about it at, at, at a business, in your office, and somebody's looking at the books at the end of December, and they say, you know, things did not go as well as we hoped that they would this year. Something is clearly wrong. And everybody else at the table says, yeah, something's clearly wrong. We've got to fix something. Yeah, we, we do have to fix something. I'm, I'm glad we had this meeting. And then everybody leaves the room. Nothing gets fixed. <laughs> the problem remains because we recognize that something's off here, but we don't know what and we didn't do anything about it. In fact, if you back up two sentences from what we just read... In this same book of the Bible, it actually pinpoints some of the problems for which these resolutions are the solution. It lists things like adultery, hatred, contention in our relationships, jealousy of other people, which, to pick up on Jimmy Fallon's thing about Facebook, <laughs> is that like not the number one perpetrator of jealousy in our culture today? Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, envy. And these are just a few of the things that we, unfortunately, encounter on almost a daily basis. Sometimes in other people directed toward us, but a lot of times just in our own hearts, too. We want more love. We want more joy. But we get so frustrated with our spouse. We're so aggravated by our kids or something at work or situations around us. Things feel contentious. We start to get jealous. We start to get angry. And as the, Dr. Greg said in the interview, that starts to spill out onto other people. And we're not getting these things that, that we are hoping for. I want to share a story with you, kind of, a, kind of a case study for pinpointing the problem. Because here's the reality. I need these resolutions. You need these resolutions. And that's okay. This is good stuff for all of us. But there's been a couple times in my life where, like, you realize how important pinpointing the problem is. One of these was so clear to me, as I, as I hope I've learned this lesson, that I've actually given it a name. I, I call these pizza moments. And I want to tell you about 
my first pizza moment <laughs> and what I learned from it. You see, this was a time where uh, my wife, Melissa, was working really hard. You know, and she was kind of having a, a, just a couple days where she was just exhausted, you know, kind of down, kind of discouraged. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be super husband. Like, I'm going to just make her happy. I am going to do the laundry for her. I'm going to feed the kids. I'm going to give them baths. Like, I'm going to do everything that I can possibly do. Like, there's going to be flowers on the counter or something. Like, I'm going to make her happy. She's going to love this. And so she was at work one Tuesday, and I just went through the whole day with just a smile on my face. I'm thinking in my heart, like, what a servant I am. Like, I'm I'm being such a good husband. She's going to love this. When she gets home, oh, my goodness, she's going to throw her arms around me. She's going to give me a kiss. She's going to say thank you. She's going to be, without everyone else going on, she's going to be so happy. This is going to be perfect. The last thing I did before she got home was I figured I would make dinner. So I, I, I was a little lazy, got the freezer pizza out. I thought, you know, I should make two of these so there's enough for everybody. But Melissa doesn't really like freezer pizza. I don't like it that much. Don't tell the kids. <laughs> I better just make one. And then before we go hang out with our friends tonight, we can stop and get something a, a little bit tastier to eat. So I make one freezer pizza. And when she gets home from work, as she walks in the door and she sees the kids eating... She looks at the top of the oven where the pizza is sitting, and she says, Is that all the pizza there is? Is that? I'm sorry. Is that all the pizza there is? Do you have any idea how hard I was working today? And I did. And just honest with you, I had an outburst of wrath. Right? I was aggravated. I was frustrated. I was thinking, I have served you today. I have loved you today. You're not asking me about any of that. Now, I got angry, and I started shouting. And then instead of going to see our friends, we spent the next 20, 30 minutes trying to figure out what just happened here. Because to her, it makes perfect sense, right? You're home from work. It's time for dinner. And there's like two slices of pizza left. It's a reasonable question. So... The obvious thing for me, if you think about my case study, like, like, what did I need here? Well, it's easy to say, don't be angry, right? I want, I want to be less angry this year. But it's not that simple. You know, what, what was it that was so frustrating to me, that was, that was so angering to me? What, what was it that when I had spent the whole day thinking about how much I love her and how I wanted to serve her, could, could lose it just like that? And that's part of what we spent the time talking about. And, and that's painful. But to stop and pinpoint the problem allowed me to realize the truth is I'm a people pleaser. And so there's a, there's a good part of me that was saying I want to serve my wife. I want to love my wife. I want to make her happy. All good. But somewhere in my heart there was still a little bit of me that was holding on to I don't like when things are unhappy and I'm going to make them happy. Husbands in the room, can we just admit we cannot force our wives to be happy? <laughs> wives in the room, can we admit you cannot force your husband to be happy? I realized I had a control issue. Right? This was more than just trying to serve my wife. I was trying to control the feel in our house. And so when it didn't work out the way that I wanted, when I felt like I was losing control, for me that came out in anger. See, now that I recognize it was a control issue, the next time this comes up, I can treat it differently. And I would love to say, 
I learned that two years ago, and we've never had another pizza moment again. <laughs> but there's a reason I've given them a name. <laughs> and, and in fact, just over Christmas break, we, we had a moment standing in my parents' kitchen where I had to wait a minute, stop, 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 everybody, stop. I think we're having a pizza moment. Because we've pinpointed this before, I recognize it now, and we can stop this before it happens again and say, if this is what's happening, what do we do different? Now, your situation may be a little bit different. You know, you may have different things that trigger you. But the reality is, if, if, if we want to have resolutions that last, we need to be able to make an action plan that addresses something specific. We need to do more than just pinpoint the problem. To make sticky resolutions at last, we also need to pinpoint the solution. Because even there, in in that moment, I could say, well, I I, I resolve to be less controlling, less people-pleasing, less angry, more gentle, whatever that is. But if we can pinpoint how we do that, then we'll have success. You see, that's why these verses give us this list, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As you think about that list, all of these are built to answer all of those problems. Relationally, personally, all of those kinds of things that we go through, that's what this list is an answer for. And as you look at it and you think about the story I just shared with you, you can probably identify pretty quickly which one of those might have helped me. If I was more loving... If I was more long-suffering, if I had a little bit more peace, a little bit more kindness, I actually, I think I need all of these. Nothing personal. I think you do too. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's a realization that if these are the resolutions that we pursue, this leads us to living with the best, healthiest relationships that we can have with the best attitude when we wake up in the morning and go to bed at night, with the ability to face hardships in our families, in our health, at our job, in a completely different way, if we are being transformed by these resolutions. And what I love about this list is that that this goes far beyond just like another one of those Bible lists of do's and don'ts. Like, definitely... We saw a list earlier that's like some don't do this stuff, right? Contention, hatred, wrath, adultery. Don't do this. Again, I think we all agree. But this goes so far beyond that. In fact, it starts with this phrase, the fruit of the Spirit is. So that's, that's kind of a weird phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, well, what does that mean? I mean, I know what fruit is. Maybe I know what Spirit is. But that can sound a little spooky, a little inaccessible, Well, what's going on here is basically the Spirit is one of the ways that we talk about God. And especially when God refers to himself as Spirit, he's talking about how he is our helper. In fact, for the follower of Christ, the the Bible actually talks about how God lives with us as the Spirit to help us do these exact things. And so it's kind of saying, this is is the fruit of God. Okay, well, I, I still know what fruit is. I guess I got a little bit of what God is, but what is the fruit of God? Well, think about it this way. You can think about this for yourself even. Fruit grows on trees, right? Simple. What kind of tree are you? What kind of fruit 
grows on your branches. You an anger tree? A worry tree? A selfishness tree? A frustration tree? You see, that's the kind of tree I am, then I'm growing angry fruit. I'm growing selfish fruit. And when people come around me, that's the kind of fruit that I bear. Here, have a little anger. That creates anger in other people. That creates contention with other people. That causes other people pain. If that's the kind of tree that I am. But what if I was a different kind of tree? And what if I was a, a loving tree? A gentle tree? And when my kids make mistakes, I didn't say, here, take a nice big bite of anger. I said, how about a ripe, juicy bite of gentleness? Long-suffering, patience, kindness. So that's the picture that, that this passage is giving us. But not only for us, but by calling this the fruit of the Spirit, What this list really is, is saying, hey, if you want to know who God is, if you're sitting here in this room this morning because you want to know him better, or you want to know about him, you sit here and say, well, I'm here because I'm trying to figure out if God is even real, what God looks like, how to understand him. This is God saying, this is who I am. This is the kind of tree that God is. This is the kind of fruit that God grows. And so many times we come to think about God and we think that, that he's just you know, a, a judgmental old man in the sky who's angry at us all the time, giving us lists of do's and don'ts and, and, and just looking down on us. But right here it says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that defines God. Imagine if we knew a God who is love, that God is joyful, that God is long-suffering, that God wants to give peace, that God is kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. Now, that's a God that I want to know. That's a God, honestly, I want to be more like. You see, when God tells us that this is what He is like, then we realize this list is, is not so much a do and don't list. It's God saying, I want to share this with you. You know, what helps me understand this is, uh, as a kid, my family always went up to Lake Mille Lacs, Minnesota, every single year for vacation. Every single year, because my grandparents have a place uh, up there on the lake, and so we would do fishing and just kind of get away from it all. Because, like, this happens, like, every single day. It's absolutely beautiful. It's the most peaceful, most joyful place, I think, on the planet. If you haven't been there, go there. <laughs> Don't bug me while you're there, right? No, I love it. I mean, there's no internet. There's no TV. My cell phone barely works. You could just relax. And so my family had done this every single year growing up. Well, then I meet my wife. And we get married. And we have to talk about where we go on vacation. And so we talk about it, and we agree we'll, we'll, we'll go to the lake. But what if she doesn't like it there? She hasn't been fishing since she was a kid with her grandpa. What if she doesn't like fishing anymore? What if... You know what? Instead of worrying about it, I just think, you know what? I hope I can share my joy. 
I hope she gets just a little taste of like how awesome this place is. The kind of peace and happiness that, that happens when I go and chill at Lake Mille Lacs. And so she came up with me the first summer. And I'll tell you what. I, I don't know if uh, we were just blessed, but it was like the best year of fishing I have ever had on Lake Mille Lacs. I don't know if we were there at the right time of the year, if the, the moon was shining just right. But I brought her out in the boat, and, and even Melissa, I don't mean even Melissa, but Melissa also was catching just some of the biggest bass that we've ever seen. And like fish after fish after fish after fish, you drop that thing in the water and you've got another fish. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. She fell in love with the place. And because this happened, this happened. Now we go every year. Every year from that first time when she and I went together. Now our kids come every year and we get them out in the boat and we go fishing. And can you imagine, I mean, maybe you can see it on my face right now, how much my joy is multiplied because I got to share it with them. And now I get to share it with four kids. And I get to say, isn't this wonderful? And they say, yeah, Dad. When God writes down the fruit of His Spirit, He's hopeful. Oh, I want to share this with you. God wants to share this with you. And when you feel a kind of joy that only comes from God, when you feel the kind of love that has no limits from God, when you experience the kind of peace that He brings, no matter what is going on around you, no matter how hard that relationship is right now, no matter what that trial at work is doing right now, even when you find that a loved one has cancer, and God says, I have peace, and I want to share it with you. And we experience that. Imagine how God feels when He gets to share His joy, to share His peace, to share His love. That's the kind of tree that God is. And you know, sometimes we hear these kinds of things, love, kind, gentle, and it sounds weak. Reality is, this is powerful. A God who can bring that kind of love into any situation, a God who can bring that kind of joy into any circumstance, a God who can bring that kind of peace no matter what is happening to you, is powerful enough that when I feel like I've got no love, I've got no joy, I've got no peace because everything around me is going wrong, I can't do it anymore, I can't take it anymore, I am empty God breaks in. And in power, He says, I still have love. I still have joy. I still have peace. I am still gentle. I am still kind. And I still want to share it with you. That's what Dr. Greg Beeman discovered. In the remainder of that interview, he described how as he was searching in his life for what it was that he needed most, he had dismissed Christianity early on because he only knew it as a list of do's and don'ts. But when someone started talking to him again about the way that God could make the changes he wanted but didn't have the power for, when he discovered how God could make those stick, make those resolutions last, it changed his life. You know, and his wife says how different he is since that day. And the reality is, we're still human. 
I'm, I'm still just a guy standing before you. And even though there's a truth here that I've learned and there's a truth here that I've applied, I have to apply it again today. This morning, before you even see me. This afternoon when I get home. All of this is true all the time. But we've got to apply it all the time. Right? Otherwise, it just becomes that, I want to, I want to be more peaceful. That sounds wonderful. But how do we make it stick? Well, we've got to pinpoint the problem. Pinpoint the solution. And then let's get really sticky here. We've got to plan for success. As I was uh, researching some of this and thinking about, uh, you know, that video of how resolutions fail, I discovered that as you research this, no matter who does the survey or where they get their data, the top two reasons that resolutions fail at the new year or any other time, the top two reasons that resolutions fail, number one, people don't track progress. And number two, they get no outside support or accountability. Those are the top two reasons that resolutions fail. We don't track progress and we don't get accountability. And so we say, I see this in myself. I want to improve it. I'm going to do this. I I want to be more whatever. But we don't actually make a plan for that to happen. We don't plan for success. I was listening to a speaker, Chris McChesney, at the Global Leadership Summit this past summer. And he was talking about this, how, how a lot of times... Uh, He was speaking specifically in the business world. We get so excited about so many good opportunities that we identify something like 20 goals that we're going to accomplish in the next year. And the reality is that because we set out so many of them, we can't be specific about any of them, and so none of them actually happen. And so what he was kind of sharing was that we really need to pick one to focus on the wildly important And sometimes that means turning down other good opportunities. But the idea is to make sure that we are focused enough to make a plan for success on the most important things. So he encouraged us to to focus on the wildly important and to create a cadence of accountability. You know, I kind of learned this myself in the last couple months because uh, there was a place where I realized, you know what, I want to be more generous. You know, I want to give to other people. I want to share with other people. And, and I want to do that like today. You know, God had been talking to me about that. I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And so I, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be more generous. It's not very specific, though, is it? A couple weeks later, I realized, oh, I forgot to be generous. Okay, but I still really want to do that, and it's going to be great. I'm going to help somebody out, and we're going to give. It's going to be wonderful. And then like a couple months later, <laughs> realized I still haven't done that. You know, and it's until I sit down and say, okay, I want to be more generous. And so before next Tuesday, I will talk to Melissa about where we're going to do that. I'm going to look at the bank account and talk with her about how much we're going to do, where it's going to go, and it's going to go there before next Tuesday. You know, Now it's specific. Now it's measurable. If I get to next Tuesday and it hasn't happened yet, I know today's the day. It has to happen. It's specific enough. And my wife gives me accountability that I can actually follow through on that resolution to focus on something wildly important and create that cadence of accountability. Because that's really what we want. We want to plan for success. And so here's just a few bullet points of how we can do that. You've heard me say this, but I would even recommend for you, as we look at this list this morning, you know, and you've seen nine things, nine good things that all of us hopefully can walk out of here saying, I want that. 
I would even encourage you, even just right now, pick one. Not that you don't want the others, not that you never work on them, not any of that, but, but so that you don't walk out of horizon this morning and quickly forget. Or say, I want more joy and I'll work on it tomorrow. But pick one right now. And then be specific about it. Not just, I want to be more loving to my wife, to my kids, but I want to be more loving and here's how I'll do it. Flowers every Tuesday for the next month. You know, wh- whatever that is. Or, I want to be more self-controlled. But not just to leave it there, but to be specific. And here's how I'll do it. Here's what the accountability will look like. Here's what the rhythm of life will look like that allows me to do that. You know, here's how early I want to get up in the morning. And so here's how early I'll have to go to bed to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep, that mentally I'm sharp enough to be self-controlled. Pick one, be specific, and I would encourage you, pray about it. Now again, that, that can sound like a really kind of strange and spiritual thing to do. But if you've never tried it, that's okay. I'll, I'll give you just like little two-sentence prayers that, that I do on these things. Because one of them for me is, is patience. Uh, if you know our family, we have a whole bunch of little kids that follow us around. And like all of them resist bedtime. You, you may have heard me talk about this before. That's because I am a bedtime work in progress. <laughs> but I've realized that I've got a very specific rhythm that helps me be patient at bedtime, no matter which kid goes nuts, which, no matter which kid goes nuts after the other kid is done going nuts, no matter which kid gets up half an hour after I thought they were all asleep and I finally had some time to myself. And so what I do is, before bedtime, I go in the garage, I go in the basement, I go to my bedroom, somewhere that I can be alone for just a minute, and I pray. I just talk to God for just a minute. And it basically sounds like this, God... You have said that you are a God of patience. God, you know that I need patience, but that I can run out pretty quickly. So can I have some of yours for like the next half hour while we're doing bedtime? And God, if bedtime is an hour, just just remind me that your patience never runs out. That's simple. But just that moment where I step back and realize, if I want this resolution to stick... Like, I can go to the God who has unlimited patience. That when mine runs out, he can stand right there with me and say, you're almost like a hand on your shoulder, just relax, Drew. They're little. They'll sleep eventually. It might take longer, but you love them. Don't raise your voice. Just remind them that you love them. Give them a little more time. That changes bedtime for me. You know, that, that changes the way I relate to people at work, in the office. You know, when, when you're trying to work together with a team and you start to feel like ideas are going all different directions and you say, God, I'm feeling a little bit frustrated, but, you know, I want to be gentle. I want to be kind. I don't want to bulldoze anybody. Can you just give me a little bit of yours right now so that the way I speak to the people around me is kind and gentle? Because if we can pick one, if we can be specific, if we can pray about it. And then the fourth thing there is to get accountable. You know, I gave you an example of, you can actually go back one slide. I gave you an example of how in some cases my wife can hold me accountable. But actually one of the best ways that I've found to do this 
is to actually get in a group with other people who are trying to make the same resolutions that you are. In fact, we spend a lot of time here at Horizon doing just that. Putting groups together for connecting, for studying, whatever it is, for building relationships. So that a group of guys who both want to know, hey, what does it look like to, to love my wife better? You know, to be kind to my kids. To, to learn self-control, to, to grow in this way, whether it's with my family or in my career, and to be able to demonstrate that to people around me, to become that kind of tree and bear that kind of fruit. You, know, you may only know the person that you're sitting next to this morning, but I guarantee you, there's a whole bunch of us in this room who say, yeah, I want that too. And when we get a chance to come together in a group of people and do that, you get the encouragement, you get the accountability. It, it, it's one of the best things that I've ever been a part of. In fact, when we first uh, moved out to the Cincinnati area and I came on staff here at Horizon, that was the, one of the first things I knew is it's like, I don't know, I don't know where it is. I don't know what time it's going to be, but I got to find a group of some guys. And so you actually got uh, in your program this morning, there's a sheet in there that looks like this. And it's got some information about our next message series starting next week. But on the back of that, it also has information about groups. And this kind of information is in there every week, but I just wanted to highlight it for you. Because with that new series, we're actually starting up a number of new groups that this would be the perfect time to jump into. You know, if you've ever been thinking, like, I, I kind of want to get in there, I want to dig a little deeper, that might be good for me, build some relationships, but I don't know how to start, or, like, maybe they're already halfway through the study, I don't know. Perfect time to jump into one of those. It's also got information about some of the other groups, the, the Horizon Dads, uh, Winning at Work and Home Men's Group that happens on Tuesday mornings. Um, really great stuff that helps you not slip into those two reasons that you didn't make a plan for success. But to plan on it. To plan for things to go well. So as you think about that, and maybe you've picked one, and, and maybe you can identify some of the areas in your life that, that you would say, you know, I think I can pinpoint this as my problem. You know, so maybe that is my solution. You know, for you, it may be a personal goal. You know, maybe something in your family, like uh, you've heard me talk about a little bit this morning. You know, it, it may be at work. I heard somebody uh, talking about this recently who is in a management position at the company that they work for. And we were actually, uh, unfortunately, because they're my friend, they get to hear me talk through messages that I'm preparing. <laughs> so we were talking about this. And I said, what does that look like for you, you know, at your company? They said, well, a great example is when we make an agreement with a client and we agree to deliver our product on this time for this price and everything's laid out, and we deliver on everything that we said we would do. They receive it. And after all is said and done, they call us angry. Angry about what? Well, about, about the price or that they didn't get the product they wanted. And it's like, right, but you had an agreement, right? Like you delivered exactly what you said you would for the price you said you would and the timing you said you would. So what exactly is the problem? Well, and this is how he explained it to me. He's like, well, that's what my assistants say when they come to me. They come... They put them, you know, put the phone on hold and they come to me and they say, this guy's got a problem. Well, what's the problem? Well, they don't like the price. They don't like the timing. They don't like it. Slow down. Slow down. Let's pinpoint the problem. Because if we agreed on all, all that stuff, that shouldn't be coming up. Is it possible that his wife left him yesterday? And he just happens to be calling you today. Is it possible that he's getting flack from his boss who, like, it's their fault. They weren't paying enough attention. But now after the fact, they're upset and his job is on the line over this. And now he calls us and he's actually scared. 
Now, most of the time, his assistant can't go get back on the phone and say, Sir, can I just ask you, how's your marriage? But he can get back on the phone and for whatever else is happening on the other end, maintain kindness, maintain gentleness, and instead of ramping up, offer peace into a situation with a client that changes the way they do business. But more than that, it can change the rest of that client's day. Because we've all been on the other end of that phone. And when I'm trying not to, but I can't help it, and I power up, and then they power up, and now we're both flipping out, and then I hang up the phone, and it's like, i got to find somebody else to just say how horrible everything is. And it could ruin your day. If we're bearing this kind of fruit to people, you can change that. But first, you've got to let God change you. You know, there's times where I feel like I just don't have it in me. And so one verse that is just an awesome reminder is Philippians 4.13. Because it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, you will hear Christ followers say this all the time. It's not because it's the only one we know. It's because we need it so desperately. That when I run out of patience, I can still be patient because I'm not relying on myself. I'm relying on a patient God. When I run out of love, when I run out of joy, I'm relying on a joyful God and a loving God. And so I can do even these things in any circumstance through Christ who strengthens me. My resolutions can stick because I'm not going after them alone, but because Christ wants to help me. See, this is what makes it stick. The stickiest resolutions last through the stickiest situations when we stick to God. I firmly believe that because I've seen it in my own life time and time again where I say, this is how I want to be different. This is how I want to change. This is how I want to grow. Fail, fail, fail. But when I say, this is how I want to be different, God, would you help me? This is how I want to change because I know you've set something better before me, God. This is how I want to grow, and God, I know that you want to cultivate that in me. Then I'm not counting on myself to do the work. I'm asking God to make it stick. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I I thank you just for the time to be in your word this morning. Lord, you know uh, which one of these every one of us needs most. You know that we all need all of them. But God, I pray that even walking out of here today, you might have put one in our minds or on our hearts that you're just excited to share with us. God, that as, as your spirit speaks to our spirits, We would just begin to shine the kind of light that your joy, your peace, your love can have in us. God, that we might bear fruit and reflect that to the people around us. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for your promises. Amen. Hey, so now's that moment. Can you still remember the one you picked? This is that moment where it's so easy to stand up, to forget... To walk out, and then next week you walk back in and be like, oh yeah, I think there was something last week I was going to try to... Maybe even before you get home today, think of a couple specific ways to make your resolution stick. Hey, I'm really glad that you were here with us this morning. If you want to talk more about any of the specific ones on there and some, some tips or tricks for how to do that...
uh, especially if you're interested in a group. There's always a few of us that are hanging out by the hearth room, which is the third door on the left side as you leave, that we'd love to give you more information or help you find one that would be a great fit for you. So thanks for being here this morning, and we'll see you next week.